right, well, here we go. Uh, if you recall, if you've been with us for a few weeks, you recall that several weeks ago I began uh, a subset of teachings within our series on activation called The Four Handles of Destiny. And uh, it's, it's such a privilege and it's such a blessing and an honor when we have a number of guest speakers who can come in and part into the house, whether those guest speakers are people inside the body like Jerob and Pastor Dan. By the way, they did such an incredible job. Or if those people are outside of the house, uh, like Bobby Parks last week, director of ORU Missions, or uh, Hope Taylor. And so, you know, when, when, you, when you have a goal to get to a very big target over a spe- specified amount of time, uh, we're just in no hurry to get there. We are winding this series down, but uh, I am going to make mention of a message that I started. Uh, this probably was about six or seven messages ago. And uh, that message was called The Four Handles of Destiny that fits in the greater context of becoming activated as, as people of God. And I want to give the overview of that. And then what I want to do is I want to just briefly touch on that first message. You can hear that on Antioch.is. And then I want to get into as much of the next three points on this as I possibly can. Um, the Four Handles of Destiny. Number one, destiny is discovered by embracing God's sovereignty. Perhaps you guys remember that. Maybe it's ringing a bell. We talked about God's sovereignty. We talked about how everything that God does is purposeful, that God positions us on purpose. He puts us in the family that he wants us to be in on purpose, that the experiences, good and bad, that we go through can all be leveraged. They can all be redeemed for the purposes of God. If we don't believe in sovereignty, we cannot aspire to destiny. If we believe that God has put inside of us a particular destiny to fulfill in this life, and if you recall, I opened up a little and shared some real vulnerable perspectives I had on destiny. You know, I went to a college where we had the best of the best preachers in the nation come and talk to us about destiny every week. And uh, you almost developed this uh, aversion to another destiny message. And so I, I strayed away from the concept of destiny for years until I got a biblical revelation of it, a biblical worldview, that every single one of us have, there's destiny that God has planted inside of us. There is a specific assignment that he has put inside of us that he expects us to fulfill. He's given us uh, gifts and talents and abilities and anointings. He's given us a measure of faith. He's put us in a community of believers. All of these things that he's working together to help us help him fulfill the assignment that he's put upon our life called destiny. And we will stand before God. The reason why this series on activation is so critically important is because every single one of us will stand before God on how we stewarded everything he gave us to fulfill the destiny that he put upon our lives. And that's heavy-duty business. That is heavy-duty business. When I got revelation, the fear of the Lord came upon me that I will stand before God, and whether or not I liked the concept of destiny, I will have to give an account on whether or not I fulfilled my destiny. Because I have a specific contribution that I can bring to the body of Christ at large, as do you. Every single one of us sits on a place on the wall. And if I step down of my place on the wall, we teach this with our rope submissions teams all the time. If you pull me out from my responsibility, then everyone else on that team is going to suffer. They're going to to feel the effect of me pulling out and not carrying my weight on the team. And every single one of us are part of that 
both on the global church and the local church, on the family level, every single one of us are carrying a part of our kingdom assignment and the global kingdom assignment. Number two, and we'll get into this more this morning, destiny is not only discovered by embracing God's sovereignty, but it's revealed. Destiny is revealed by embracing community. And you're going to hear this a lot. You're going to hear the concept of kingdom community a lot because it's actually inherent within our mission statement. A number of years ago when we crafted that mission statement after a year of prayer, after a year of discussion, uh, our mission statement, the key components of it are that we are called to awaken, to equip, and to send people to transform cities, regions, and nations. And as we sat on that for a while, we're really proud of it, but then we realized, you know what, this is incomplete because it's missing a critical, covenantal, relational, oikos component. Oikos is simply the Greek word for household or family, which we are. And so we crafted the beginning part of that as a kingdom community, we awaken, equip, and send. It's very important that we have that concept in there. And that's one of the reasons why today when we talk about communion, we, we talk about communion in its biblical context, not in the modern context, not in the cultural context. We talk about communion in the biblical context, which started in households and in families. So your destiny will not only be discovered by embracing God's sovereignty, but it will be revealed to the degree that you embrace community. Community is important to your destiny. We're going to talk about that. Number three, destiny is developed my living strategically. You want to develop your destiny. You want to grow in your ability to walk out the destiny of God, to be activated. It's going to happen by learning how to live strategically. And then finally, number four, destiny is realized by seeing problems as opportunities. We're going to talk more about that. All right, here we go. Destiny is revealed by embracing community. Destiny is revealed by embracing community. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, classic verse on church unity or classic chapter on church unity. I encourage you guys to read through the entire portion of this. It's actually set in the context of spiritual gifts. And it's amazing that in the context of Paul addressing gifts in the church, and we've been talking about that here in our series. We've been talking about spiritual gifts. We've been talking about part of you being activated is learning and discovering what those gifts are. But it's in the very context of us discovering those spiritual gifts that Paul has to talk to us about our heart being melded together in unity. And essentially, we can, we can read into that, or the implication here very simply is our gifts are not for us alone. Our gifts are not about us. Praise God for your gift. But if your gift is drawing more attention to you than it is serving the community that God has placed you in, you're misappropriating the gift. And that's why he talks about gifts in the context of the body. Look with me if you would. We're going to start in uh, chapter 12, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. Now, uh, if you recall in our Kingdom Community series last year, we talked about the global body and the local body. And I just want to make reference to that. We belong to the global church of Christians. Christians past, Christians present, and Christians future. We belong to the persecuted church. In fact, there, this morning there was a word that came forth uh, that the martyrs now, not, not years ago, the martyrs now, the blood of the martyrs is crying out in the song of the martyrs and the worship of the martyrs is going up to heaven and we're actually a part of that. 
that our song is joining the worship of people that are laying down their lives all around the world. See, we belong to a global body, but at the same time, we also belong to a local body. We belong to a local expression. Verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Verse 14, now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Belong is a very important word there. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. In other words, whatever function that you have within the body, it has value. And simply because you don't function in the manner that someone else functions does not mean you do not belong. And perhaps you haven't discovered where you function. That doesn't mean that you don't belong. Belonging here we see is a very critical component. It's a very critical aspect to your function within the body. That understanding that you belong releases you to function. Verse 16, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, then where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now, let's just stop right here. Now, if we believe in the global church of God, and we believe that we belong to the global church of God, and we believe, according to the word, that we have a particular, we are a particular part, Antioch Church is a particular part of God's church at large. It means that there is a corporate assignment upon us that will be revealed in the context of this community. We, as Antioch Church, have a specific assignment upon us. I met with an associate pastor. He was an outreach pastor of another local church here in town. By the way, I want to encourage you to do this. When you're driving past other churches, man, bless them. When you drive past other churches this morning, every morning when I drive here, I drive down Austin Bluffs, and uh, there's a new, it's not new, it's been a while for, around for a while, but uh, Discovery Church just picked up a building, incredible building, and uh, every Sunday I drive by here, man, the church parking lot is filled with cars, and I rejoice, and I go, more, more, Lord. This morning, I pray, God, fill them all with the Holy Spirit. I mean, every Sunday I drive by, and you should do that. When you see a church, bless them. It doesn't matter who they are because we're connected to them. We belong to them. They belong to us. But I was meeting with this outreach pastor and, and talking with him about some of the local outreaches they do. And uh, as I was sharing my heart, he said, well, you know, why are you asking these things? I said, well, I've got a pretty simple philosophy here at Antioch Church. Uh, we believe that there's some great work that's being done to impact our community and we're not trying to own or reinvent the wheel. And in fact, if you're doing a great work and you need help, then we just want to join you if we can. We don't have to own it. You don't have to put our name on anything. If you need more manpower or money, then we want to join that. And he just looked at me and, you know, because I realized they do outreach well. They do outreach so well. And that's a great part of the body in our city. We, we do other things well. And we're going to capitalize on the things that we do well. But we don't have to do everything well because we're not every part of the body. Are you make, are, is that making sense this morning? But look right here. I want to talk with you again about a particular philosophy that we have according to the scripture in verse 18. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now, the example that I just used on a city level, that also applies here on a local level. And I believe 
that if you feel like you were called to this house, now I know we haven't done membership classes and programs and systems and all that stuff, and, and we're still working out you know, where we land on all that, but here's what is clear according to the scriptures. If you feel in your heart of hearts that God has called you here, then you're gonna be arranged in this body in a particular place in such a manner as to who you are will benefit this house. It will benefit this family. It will benefit this local body. You see, on some level, I'm not really worried about, now I want people to be saved. I want people to be delivered, healed. I want the kingdom to grow, but I'm not so caught up in trying to grow this church. I believe that we're gonna grow. I believe it's a part of us. Like one of our staff members said, he said, it's impossible for us not to. And I believe that. But I'm not caught up in that because I don't wanna go trying to recruit and convince somebody that they're a part of this body when they might be a part of another body. That has to come by revelation. It cannot come by convincing. It cannot come by begging or pleading or hoping or, or, you know, all the other frills that we throw out there. Our coffee's better or our whatever it is, right? Or we're going to put on a better show or we're going to make, we're going to scale things down to the lowest common denominator. No, we're not going to scale things down to the lowest common denominator. You know, and people talk to me all the time and they say, well, you know, this family's left and that family's left. And why is it that people come and they leave? And, you know, and I realize there are things that we can do better. And guys, we're always working on getting better. We're always working on improving. But here is a matter of fact statement. Antioch Church is not for everyone. And that is not an excuse to not improve. That is not an excuse for us not to be on our face and be the absolute best stewards of everything God has given to us. But I'm not moved because it has to be by revelation that you know that you are planted in this soil. You, it has to be by revelation. I don't have to convince my children that they're part of my family. Please, I'll get you some more ice cream and cold soda if you just stay and be a part of my family, you guys. Please wash, please clean the dishes after you eat. Please, no, you're part of my family. And as a part of my family, you have responsibility and you're under the authority of the head of this household. And we believe in authority. And I know a lot of churches don't like to talk about that, but spiritual authority is still a biblical principle and we're gonna operate on it to the best of our ability. I believe that there is order in the church of the living God. And if people don't want to aspire to that, if they're not called by revelation to be a part of that, they're gonna chafe, they're not gonna understand. They're gonna talk about it, they're gonna criticize it, they're gonna judge it. And why is that? Because there has to be revelation. I am called to this people. You know, five, five years ago when Apostle Dutch Sheets handed the church off, there were three mass exits that took place. One was the very week after he said, I want all you guys to give this young whippersnapper a chance. Stay here for six months. The next week, like half the church was gone. I had people who came up to me and literally said, well, uh, it's six months after the day that Apostle Dutch asked us to stay for six months and uh, we don't feel like we're supposed to stay anymore. And then six months later, a year later, uh, we had another, another mass group of people that left. And you know what? That is so fine. You know why? Because they probably didn't have revelation that this is the place that they were planted. You have to have revelation of where you're planted. Because you cannot bloom and you cannot grow and you cannot flourish and you cannot produce fruit by being transplanted to different soil over and over and over and over again. You know, I, I don't know if I told the story here or not, but I definitely thought about it. Um, a few weeks ago in the summer, you know, we put our house on the market, had it up for sale. And um, along the sidewalk to my door, there's these ugly, ugly bushes. And um, I mean, they're just the ugliest things I've ever seen. They're just, they're just out of control. 
out of control. And you know, for years I'd go to Christian, I'd say, hey, you know, what do you think? And we just decided to leave him there. And, and uh, one day out of the blue, I said, hey, you know, what do you think? I'm thinking about, um, you know, we're trying to sell the house and maybe putting some prettier bushes there. And she goes, oh yeah, I did not waste a second. I was out there, I clipped that thing all the way down. I, I dug those ugly bushes out. And uh, then we went over to the tree nursery and I picked up a couple of cute little bushes, bought those bushes. And then, um, man, life got busy, put them in the garage for like five days, <laughs> five days. I mean, I spent, I spent good money on those things. And uh, when I, one time, you know, when, when the time came around, I opened up the garage, pulled them out. They were dead, brown, all their beauty. They had these beautiful white flowers, man, no flowers, no flowers. I mean, they were just ugly. And so I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to try to plant them anyway and see what we can do. Can't get my money out, money back. So, uh, so sure enough, man, I went, dug, dug that hole, put the, you know, did the whole thing. And, um, you know, with all the rain that we've got, uh, sure enough, those guys are green again. And uh, there, I saw one, one little tiny white flower on one of those bushes. And I thought, yeah, it's worth it. And I just thought, you're going to make it. These guys are going to make it. Well, here's, here's, here's the point, you know. It's, you cannot grow in a, in a garage. You cannot grow in one of these tiny pots, right, hanging out by yourself. You know, and it doesn't matter how fruitful you seem. It doesn't matter how many flowers it seems like are on your life. If your root structure is just confined to that little plastic bucket and, you're, and, and your roots are not going out and connecting with the soil of other people and the life of other people, you will wither up and die. I mean, there's a lot of people, and you know what? I've been, I've been in this game 15 years now. There's other people in the ministry, been in this longer, but there's types of people in, in Christianity. And uh, don't get offended if you're one of these types of people. <laughs> but I'm your pastor, so I'm gonna teach you these things. But there are types of people. There, there are the type of people who have been hurt. There are the type of people who've been wounded and refuse to get help. They're the type of people who become just critical and judgmental about every little thing and they refuse to listen. They're the type of people that know everything about everything and they refuse to be taught. And those are the kind of people that withdraw and they put their little roots inside their little plastic bucket and they do not produce life. That, that's, just the simple, that's just the simple fact of it. When I sat down at that table with these friends of mine, with these brothers and sisters of mine, and I heard the things that they were processing, guys, I sat there, I got convicted, I got inspired, I sat there and I listened to the things that were coming out of their heart, I got sharpened, I sat there and listened to the things that were coming out of their heart, I got challenged, my faith in Christ got challenged. Seth asked this incredible question, he says, what is the last greatest demonstration of God's power you've seen in your life recently? And I sat there and I wrestled with that and I thought, I need to come up higher. I sat there and wrestled with that question. I thought, I, I, need to, I need to put my faith out there more to see the demonstration of the power of the kingdom in my life. That happened because I have chosen to plant myself with other believers where there's life that is coming out of them. Your destiny will be revealed by embracing community. God has assigned each and every one of us to a community. He has assigned us to a community. Now, you may not know this story of mine, but there's a pastor, a uh, friend of mine in my life that for years, the Lord had worked things out 
And uh, we had built a really great relationship long distance. And uh, for years, I thought that I was going to work with him and for him. And, and he pursued me for many years. And uh, there came a very particular time where the Lord spoke to me. And he said, son, that is not where I have called you. That is not the part of the body that I have assigned you to be in. I've not assigned you there. And, and with that comes this understanding that God has indeed assigned me to a particular community. Like it or not, God has assigned me here. And that may mean that we have to work through our personality differences. That may mean that we have to actually talk things out. If you don't like things that I'm doing or saying and I don't like things, we're going to actually have to sit down and talk them out. We're going to talk them out. God forbid that we actually put the Bible into practice and we forgive one another and we listen to what each... Listen, guys, listen. There's an epidemic in the Western church and the epidemic very simply is that there's something happens that I don't like or someone rubs me in the wrong way or somebody offends me that I'm not connected. If I'm not connected, when you pull me out, easy to uproot when your roots have not gone down. Easy to uproot when your roots have not gone down. In fact, those same little bushes, you know, I, I actually pulled them up like three weeks later because they weren't, you know, I got a little nervous. And, and uh, so I pulled them all back out and I thought maybe, I, and, you know, I'm just going through the whole deal. Maybe I got to put new soil down. And, and I read this thing that, you know, those roots, they're all bound up. Prophetic words, some of your roots are all bound up. But just saying, um, so their roots were all like bound up. And the thing actually said, listen, I was going online. They said, what you have to do with those root bound pots, how many, how many, you know, Karen's over there, you actually have to take, you have to cut the roots. You have to cut them. You have to break them apart. You, are any prophetic light bulbs coming on anybody right now? You, you have to break up the hardness of those roots. You have to cut them. You have to damage them. And here's what it says. Don't worry. Don't freak out when you cut those roots and damage them. It says, because if they're connected to the root structure, they'll live. So cut those roots so that the roots can separate from themselves and reach out and get connected to other root structures and draw life and give life. All right. So three weeks later, you know what I did? I was like, you know, I just, man, I pulled those things up and they just popped out so easy. Do you know why? Because I did not give them time for their root structures to get connected. It takes time. It takes time. You've been here for three months. You've been here for six months. You've been here for nine months. Listen, it takes time. And the beautiful thing about revelation comes conviction. Because if you have revelation that God has called you here, you'll endure the fact that you have not gotten connected yet. And here's, here's probably a more beautiful thing. If you have revelation that God has assigned you here, you cannot just blame everyone else because if he has assigned you here, he has called you to take part of the responsibility to be connected. He has called you to take part of the responsibility. Oh, we don't have enough nursery workers. That is our responsibility. I, I want to say this is our responsibility. I'm looking at Jill Gramlich here. She's been in the house for almost 20 years. These guys have been elders. These guys have functioned in so many capacities. And then here, 20 years in the house, owner of businesses. She says, if there's a need in the nursery, I'm going to go sign up. 
20 years in the house, elders in the house. There's a need, it's my house. We're gonna sign up. My wife right now up there with the nursery. Why? Because this is our house. This is our house. And until you get that deep down in your spirit that this is our house, listen, there's gonna be a part of activation that you will always miss. Because, and I believe this with all of my heart, activation is not an individual project alone. You cannot be act. I don't care what all the movies say. Guy rolls in and destroys like 80,000 people by himself. Listen, that's Hollywood. That's Western culture. That's spirit of independence. You cannot be activated on your own. Impossible. I was at a friend's house yesterday doing some yard work, helping him out on the land. And uh, first thing we did when we got there is uh, he pulled out all the tools and he just began walking through all the tools with me. And he says, do you know what that tool is right there? No, sir, I don't. He says, let me show you how that tool works. Pull me over. He says, pick up that tool in your hand. I began operating that tool. And he goes, this is what you want to do. And he systematically, methodically worked me through every single one of those tools to do the assignment that we had. And I was activated because I was connected cannot be activated on your own. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, let's just look at it again here before we close. Obviously, I'm not going to get to point three and four. (laughs) Are you guys hearing what the Lord is saying this morning? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Just as he wanted them to be. So the truth of the matter is, it doesn't even matter what I want to do here. He has arranged me to do what he wants me to do, and he has placed me where he wants me to be. And here's what I know. Let me just give you a little bit of a little nugget. It's not like a big, it's not a big nugget yet, and it's not a big boy. It's just a tiny nugget. I'm just a young, I'm a a young lad still. It's just a, a tiny nugget of wisdom. If you will stick around long enough, if you, will, if you will let God use the laboratory of community to disciple you into maturity, if you will let God use the laboratory of community as a tool in his hands to disciple you into maturity, here's what you will find. The thing that you despised will actually become something that you delight in. And you will look back on that thing that you would kick against and you would say, that right there marked me. That was a chisel that the Lord used. When I volunteered all those hours, that was a chisel that the Lord used. You know, when we first moved into this building, and guys, listen, we are gonna have a building someday. We have people that have already, and we're gonna bring them up here at the right times and the right way, and we're working on all the plans for laying out a strategic building campaign. We are not called to be mobile the rest of our lives. But listen, while we are here, If there are tables to be moved, I will move them. And when we first moved in this place, before we had the incredible workforce that we have in the setup and teardown team, uh, for months, and I'm not saying this to my glory, but for months, I was here, I was the last person to leave vacuuming. Do you know why? Because God has called me here. And he has arranged me to be a part of this body. And there is no job that's too small for me to do because God has arranged me to be a part of this. By this is where he wants me. And listen, that was foundational to my ministry identity. God knows the things that I've cried out for. I've told him, I said, God, I don't want to be one of those guys. 
It doesn't matter where Antioch goes, and I believe our future and our destiny is great for the kingdom, but no matter the platform, I never wanna be one of the guys that cannot pick up a vacuum when it's necessary. And that marked me, and I needed it, and I want that, and we all do. But it's in the laboratory of community that God matures us, and he activates us. He activates us. I know for some of you that this very talk because you've been burned and because other people have abused community and they maybe use that language in a manipulative way. And for all of that, I say all of, all of your resistance is valid. All of your hesitation is absolutely valid. And all I'm asking for those of you who've been a part of communities where you've experienced the brokenness of, of humanity, where you yourselves have been affected and afflicted by the brokenness of humanity, all I'm asking for you to do today is ask God to heal you. Ask him to heal you. And don't close the door on the possibility of this. If God has assigned you here, don't close the door to opening your heart. Don't close the door off to other people here in this body. You guys have heard me say this as your pastor for five years now. You've heard me say this over and over and over again. I need you. I need, I cannot grow without you. And there are certain people here in this room and we're all at different places of, of relationship and I can't be best friends with everybody and I'm not called to you know, spend tons and tons of time with everybody, but because I'm planted and because of the people that are here in this room that are in my life and in my face and because of their life and their journey with the Lord, I grow, I need you. I need to be planted in this soil. And here's what I'm gonna ask because we're coming upon our one year anniversary of Antioch Church at the end of, it, of, at the end of September. And for those of you who, who have heard the sound or you're here today for the first time or you've just visited four or five times, I'm asking you today, here's, here, here's where all of this is going. I'm asking you today, pray. Don't be moved. And listen here, let me just, let me offer you something because we may never sit down and have coffee and we may never share a heart to heart conversation, but let me give you something that will help you and more importantly, help the kingdom of God in the future. Wherever you go from this day, ask God, have you assigned me to this part of the body? And don't leave. Here's point number one. Don't leave until God has clearly sent you because if he has sent you, he knows how to transplant your roots. He knows exactly how, you know, if you dig a hole the wrong way, you kill the plant. He knows exactly how to transplant you. He knows exactly how to care for you while you're in that place of transition. And there are times and seasons of transition. Listen, I've met some Christians and it's like for the past 20 years, you're still in the place of transition. No, you just don't want to get connected to the body. Be honest. Be honest. Oh, I'm just in a season of transition. You said that to me 10 years ago. You're just in a season of refusing to get healed. You see, see, here's the thing. When you're called to a place, a pastor has the authority and the liberty to say that kind of stuff. Because I'm saying it with the heart that wants to help you. Somebody who's not called here would go, I, the, the gall and the nerve of that kid? Are you kidding me? No, when you're called here, you go, yes, Lord, I'm gonna receive that. And that word is for me. That is the truth. Amen. Number two, wherever you go from here, when God plants you somewhere, 
before you get offended and leave, have conversations. Okay, have conversations with the people that you're connected with. I am not saying that you have to ask permission from a pastor to leave. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is how many people are actually floating around out there that should still be planted in some place, but they left without a conversation. They formed a judgment that was given to them by information from the enemy and they never had a conversation. How many people are are running into each other at Walmart and Starbucks that used to be in fellowship, but now never talk to each other because of an idea that they believed that came to them from another source and they never had a conversation. Have a, be a man, be a woman, be a son, be a daughter and have a conversation. That's what Jesus said. If you have aught with your brother, leave your gift on the altar and listen. But I'm on a roll this morning. Listen, it doesn't matter how much, it doesn't matter how much money you give. It doesn't matter how exuberant your praise is. Jesus said, if you got a problem with somebody, in fact, if you know that what you have done has offended and is, it is affecting their walk, he says, he says, put all that on pause because the worship of my sons and daughters being together is way more important than any song, any sound, any clap, any dance, any amount of money, any number of mission trips, any, any fervency of prayer that you could ever give me. And isn't that true, moms and dads, when our kids are at all with each other, nothing's right in the house until we sit down and we make sure that the siblings are walking in unity. And then the heart of the father and the mother can be at peace. Are you hearing my heart this morning? I feel like the Lord is calling me to another level of just, of, of just discipling us and what it means We'll never be transforming agents doing church the way that the, church, the culture has allowed us to do this. We'll, we won't transform a thing. And if we believe that we are called, and I believe what we do, we, we are. If we are called to really bring transformation, it means, and this is what the scripture says in Ephesians 4. It says, verse 15, that you would all grow up. And isn't it interesting I'm going to say this and I'll close. Then Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, isn't it interesting that he talks about growing up in the context of the body? The body. Because on my own, I can be as selfish and insecure and childish. I can, I can, I can be all of those things on my own. But when I choose to yoke myself to a wife, to children, to friends, to staff members, to life group leaders, to brothers, sisters, fathers, when I choose to do that, I am laying down my right to be selfish because my selfishness will always be exposed in the laboratory of the community. Always. All right, guys, let's stand to our feet this morning. I did not expect this to be that heavy of a word, man. Listen, I love you guys, and I'm committed to telling you the truth, like Paul said. I love what Paul said in Acts 20. He says, I, you guys, I was with you every day from the first day till now. And he goes, you know the way I lived amongst you? And he said this, he says, I never, I never held back from you the full message of the gospel. 
I'm telling you today, wherever you are in your journey, and again, let me validate the hurt and the pain. Let me validate that when people betray you, guys, it is, it is so difficult. But you can work through that and you can be connected again and you can give life and receive life and be activated in the context of community again. It may take time. You know, there's a word that came here a year ago that there's many burnt stones that the Lord will be settling back into this place and that will take time and I'm cool with that. Let's all choose in our spirits. God, if you was first tell us if we're a signer. If you have, let us know. And if you and, and we will go the distance to the degree that we can. To the degree that we can. Amen. Can I bless you guys today? God, thank you for this house. God, thank you for this house. Antioch Church is such a special house. God, is such a gift. My favorite church on the entire planet. So humbled, so honored, God, to serve, to wash the feet of these people. So humbled and honored, God, to be planted in the rich nutrients of Antioch Church, God. No other place I'd rather be. And God, I'm asking that according to your word, As you said that you've arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as you wanted them to be. I'm asking that you would speak to every single one of us because we cannot be activated unless we're planted. And we cannot be planted unless we have revelation. We must hear from you. And Father, there needs to be no sense of anger or resistance or condemnation or shame. And God, if there are people that discover, man, I feel like the Lord might be calling me somewhere else. Father, we rejoice in that because it means that another part of our body will be, will be blessed. God, I'm asking that this house, that you would grace us to be a model of what it means to be a new apostolic wineskin in the earth. And you would grace us to be a model that the church of the living God can grow without compromising. I believe it's possible. God, I speak into the future and the destiny of this house. God, we know that we're going to multiple services. We know that life groups are multiplying. We know that church plans will be started. We know, God, even, yes, even a couple of days ago, I drove by Fountain Fort Carson High School and I saw that and something burned inside of me. There needs to be a church, there needs to be a church plant in there. God, all across this city, all across this state, all around the world, you have called Antioch to plant life-giving churches apostolic and prophetic in their DNA, kingdom in their assignment. And God, I'm praying that every single one of us would find our fit and function and place and position in that assignment. God, to multiply your kingdom into the earth. I bless you, Antioch Church. May you flourish. May you go far. May you be fruitful. May you be healed. May you find your place on the wall. I pray that for the elders, that sons and daughters will be gravitated to you, that they would drink from the well of your wisdom. I pray for the sons and daughters, you would find fathers and mothers. I pray for brothers and sisters, God, to be linked and connected. I pray make us stronger than we have ever been. I bless you to be activated like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.